This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 26, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. North Korea fired missiles in what the country has called a solemn warning to the South. For U.S. diplomats, what changes? Is this the same old saber-rattling or something new? Cato's Eric Gomez comments. From one perspective, we could look at this uh, launch and say, well, this is the same old provocation that we've seen from North Korea time and time again. They just have the newer technology with which to make these kinds of provocations. And another is to say, well, this is completely unprecedented. This is a new new chapter in the uh, the fight over North Korea and their attempt to get nuclear weapons. And presumably there's another way to look at it, which is North Korea would like to be able to defend itself. They'd like to be taken seriously on the global stage. And this is a step toward achieving that. So which one is which one do you view as, as most accurate or is there one that I'm is there something I'm missing? I, I think all of those have have a little bit of truth to them. There's definitely an aspect here of wanting to maximize North Korea's leverage and position going into talks with the United States. It doesn't seem like they're doing this in an effort to get diplomacy to break down. Rather, they want to do it to put pressure on the US and especially to put pressure on South Korea and to say, we don't like you guys doing these military exercises and we want you to stop them. You promised to do so earlier. And so since you aren't living up to our your promises, we're not going to be bound by um, our own sort of promises that we made to you to not test to not test things. Uh, so I think that that explains a lot of what's going on here. Um, the other sort of explanations of, you know, in terms of defense capability, yeah, I think that this missile system is one that is going to be used uh, with conventional units, not nuclear armed ones. The missile itself, based off of its sort of payload capacity and general size and how similar missiles are used by other militaries. You know, yes, if North Korea were able to get a nuclear warhead small enough and light enough, sure, they could put it on it. But if you look at the people who observe the tests and also the way North Korea talks about the system, it seems more likely to be used for a conventional mission. So for the people who observe the test, um, when this system was tested back in May of this year, uh, the people there were not from the North Korean Strategic Forces, which is the Nuclear Armed Missile Force, and they weren't from the uh, munitions industry that is actually in charge of building the ICBMs and and, and other nuclear materials. Um, rather, they were North Korean military leaders from uh, artillery units and also from the general staff of the army. So that implies that you know if they're observing the test, these systems are going to be deployed with different units than the ones that carry out nuclear strike. Now, to be clear uh, here, in order for North Korea to launch a a very punishing, deadly assault on the South, or at least at population centers in the South like Seoul, they don't need this kind of system to begin with. Right. They, They are capable of conducting big conventional artillery barrages against Seoul and against uh, those areas sort of closer to the DMZ without much difficulty. Uh, This missile system, and it came through in some of the North Korean media reporting about it, is seems more designed to hit areas that are further back from the, uh, the sort of front line and focus on destroying U.S. and South Korean 
airfields in particular and other staging areas for more advanced weapon systems like the F-35 or attack submarines or naval vessels. All right. So uh, in terms of how the U.S. approaches diplomacy with uh, North Korea, and of course, we can't leave out the South and China and uh, other countries in the region, but uh, does this change anything with respect to how the U.S. ought to approach diplomacy? So I think this exercise demonstrates the problems of Trump's approach. Um, I've been pretty positive about the symmetry that's been happening so far. I do see value in the those sort of symbolic or stylistic elements of diplomacy with North Korea in terms of getting leaders to sit down face to face and talk things through. I think that has been positive. However, the chief downside is without more substantial and detailed agreements, it becomes possible for North Korea and the United States to to sort of do things like this that are not clearly defined by either side. And so both sides can use that lack of detail to kind of push the envelope or uh, try and enhance their bargaining positions in ways that could be destabilizing. And we're seeing that now, where North Korea has promised verbally that they wouldn't do ICBM or nuclear testing, and they haven't done either of those things, but they're doing shorter range missile testing when they feel like it. And the United States, Trump made a pledge to cancel exercises with military exercises between the United States and South Korea. And some of the big exercises were indeed canceled, but now they've been replaced by some smaller ones that are a lot, should be less threatening to North Korea. But the North Koreans say, well, you aren't living up to your promise either. And a big problem here is that we've never put down on paper exactly what our commitments to one another are in this in this regard. It's just sort of these verbal promises, right? And so when you have a situation like that, where you have a diplomatic process that has been so defined by style and not substance so far, you create these, these gray areas that people can exploit. And I think that the Trump administration, what they appear to be doing is downplaying the significance of these tests and not letting it derail talks entirely, still being willing to talk to the North Koreans, which I broadly think is the right way to go. But at the same time, if they're if they're a bit, uh, if they can be fine with these sorts of things, there is a risk in Kim does something more escalatory later if he wants to try and needle us again, and then we are forced with the position of okay, do you accept this one too, or do you try and punish him and and risk uh, talks breaking down? So I think that the big priority of the Trump administration really needs to be getting some of these agreements down onto paper, getting joint things that spell out specifically, here is what we will do in exchange for what you will do. Um, and we really need to be willing to discuss these sorts of things diplomatically with the North. Um, I also would hope that there is a bit more of a stronger verbal reaction from the United States that indicates support for South Korea and, you know, not being cowed by this display, saying that, saying basically to Kim, if you want to have these exercises further curtailed, we would be willing to discuss that, but you have to do it at the negotiating table and we're not going to be intimidated by you conducting these tests. We, you can get what you want, but you're not going to do it 
by doing this. And it's but it's worth noting, I think, that uh, if North Korea with these short range missile tests, um, if the intent is to be able to hit behind the front lines, of course, the United States has tens of thousands of troops in South Korea that itself can look like a provocation and has looked like a provocation to the North for a very long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is a lot of areas for discussion between the U.S. and North Korea on this this concept of security guarantees, right? Trying to figure out ways to make the situation on a day-to-day basis on the peninsula a little less threatening to either side. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of areas where the U.S. and North Korea could make progress, but Again, I think it has to happen at a negotiating table and it can't happen via these, you know, vague promises that no one, that anyone can interpret however they wish. Uh, and there really needs to be a mutual understanding between the two that they can point to and, and use that to judge their, their uh, use that to judge one another's behavior off of. Eric Gomez is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 